Good luck, everybody. Tonight is the uh, yard site of the Arizal. The Arizal, although today's day he passed away, he is customarily called by all the Jewish people as Harizal Hachai, the Arizal who is alive because the every Jew, his neshama continues on even after passing, but by tzaddikim, the, there's more of a palpable presence of a tzaddik after his passing than by a regular person. And especially this is true by a tzaddik like the Arizal, whose chiddush, his novelty was, that he revealed the inner dimension of Torah. And he revealed how Hashem's truth is something that we could see palpably, physically, in this world, in a real vivid way. I want to share with you tonight an amazing story, but it's not a story about that result. There was one Matzei Shabbos that the Baal Shem Tev was requested, Chaimushka, come here a story. The Baal Shem Tev was requested to help uh, for Pidin Shvuyim. There was someone who was in captive, in, he was... Uh, being held in jail, and Baal was requested to raise money right after Shabbos to bail this person out. So the Baal Shem Tev, um, asked his students, they were all still in the synagogue, they hadn't changed their clothing, they hadn't made Havdalah, and the Baal Shem Tev asked all the students to contribute to, to contribute to um, help this person leave prison, and, and all these Hasidim hadn't changed their clothing, they hadn't said Avdallah, and so there was no way they'll be carrying money because Shabbat was just, uh, had just concluded. But nevertheless, they reached into their pockets and they pulled out the sufficient funds. And the, the, the question is, what was the miracle? Was the miracle that they had money in their pockets that just appeared? Was the miracle that they, uh, that the Baal Shem just, Ask them to do something, and just suddenly there's, there's, they had exactly what was needed. The miracle was, as many explain, the miracle wasn't that the money appeared. The miracle was that they reached their, they put their hands in their pockets. The miracle isn't only in the realm of the tzaddik. Chaimushka, come! I can come closer. The miracle isn't only in the realm and in the hands of the tzaddik. Not only the tzaddik that can perform miracles. But every single Jew has inner strength, infinite strength inside of them. And that allows them to have faith in times and places where faith is impossible. And yet, as Baal Shem Tov said, a Jew can cross an ocean with a handkerchief. With a Jew's faith in Hashem, he can cross an ocean. So the Arizal revealed the power and the majesty of the of the neshama and so did the Baal Shem Tev. It, 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 there are three things we know about the greatness of that result. One is that he's called the lion. The reason why that result is called the lion is because that result exerted himself. He sweated to to reveal insights in Torah. That result wouldn't 
tired from working harder and harder trying to discover deeper and deeper insights in Torah, both in the revealed parts of Torah and in the inner hidden secrets of Torah. So that's the first thing we know about the Rizal. Second thing we know about the Rizal is that he merited to have divine inspiration because of his joy in performing mitzvahs. He had tremendous joy in every mitzvah he did. Interesting thing that's told about the Baal Shem Tev in comparison to the Arizal is that the Baal Shem Tev merited to have divine inspiration for something slightly different than the Arizal. The Arizal merited to have divine inspiration because of the joy he had in doing mitzvahs. The Baal Shem Tev merited to have divine inspiration because of his joy in Avas Yisrael, his joy in the, his sheer joy and love for his fellow Jew. That's what gave the Baal Shem Tev divine inspiration. So, on that note, uh, there is a third thing we know about Arizal, and that is that he was extremely generous. It, when someone would ask him for help financially, Arizal had a drawer. We kept lots of money, and he would just put his hand in whatever came out in his hand. He didn't look at it. He didn't think about it. He would just he just gave whatever whatever came into his hand. He wouldn't he wouldn't, he wouldn't check. He would just give. Similarly, it says when Arizal would uh, need to buy an esrik or peratzfilin or anything else that's for Hashem, he also was, he never discussed the price, he never went back and forth, it was for a mitzvah, he just went all the way. So the story I'm going to share with you expresses both the uh, majesty of the neshama and the and kindness and joy all in one. Um, There was a great Sally, I'm trying to remember his name. I think it was, uh, I can't remember his name. He said once a parable to explain the difference between the Baal Shem Tev and the Arizal. The parable he gave was there were people in the town who had never been to the palace. They heard about the, the greatness of the king, but never actually went to, the, went to the palace. So someone visited them and told them that there's a great king and he has a great palace and described to the people in this town what the palace looks like and the color of the palace and the color of the king's throne and the color of the king's and the size of the king's throne and the shape and the and the color of the king's crown and the different diamonds of the king's crown and people in the town were so amazed wow that that's really incredible and someone else came a little later on history and he managed to get the king himself to visit that town it wasn't only that he told the people in the town about the king but he managed to bring the king himself to the town. In a similar way, although that Rizal revealed many things according to Kabbalah, and he told us a lot about Hashem, the king's crown and the king's robes, so to speak, but the Baal Shem Tev brought the king to the people. The Baal Shem Tev revealed Hashem's truth in the Jewish people in, in this Neshama of every Jew. So here's a story. I heard this story from a colleague of mine, of Eshner Gurevich, who this year, few days before Shoshana, it was Thursday, 26th day of El, and he was invited to speak in a company in the northern part of Israel. He, uh, this company was an unusual company in the sense that um, it was run only by women. Hey, I'm talking about women, you just tell you the story. It was run only, only by women, and uh, the women there, very religious women, and they, didn't want, they wanted to have an environment of, uh, of modesty, and therefore, they only allowed women to work together there. And he was invited to share the words of Torah. 
actually told him before he came to give this talk, they said to him that, you know, we're very careful about the work hours that we put in for our boss. And therefore, we're going to um, have to end the class uh, five minutes early. We'll have to start the class five minutes late because we don't want to, um, we don't want to uh, uh, take up any time from our work time. So we were given this hour and therefore please start five minutes late and five minutes early. Usually after class, you know, there's questions and things go on. But since he knew that there were, they gave this condition, he knew that he would have some time. So he arranged to give another class 45 minutes later and then the, time he would end this class. So that way he could uh, do another, another Torah class for Shoshana in some other location. Anyways, he arrives there and he gives a class. At the end of class, he uh, looks for some exit to go out of and he goes out of the emergency exit. He didn't want to walk through the whole crowd and he walks out of the emergency exit and there out of the, at, outside the emergency exit, there is a 30 year old woman and she says, do you have any time I want to share with you a story? He was a little bit uh, miffed because he had planned to, but he couldn't say no. She said to him like this. She said, I haven't been to work in quite some time. I have a son who's two and a half years old, and he developed leukemia. And and I brought him to Schneider Hospital in, in Israel, and they gave him uh, chemotherapy, and the chemotherapy was largely successful. The problem was, that he developed some kind of bacteria in his intestines, in his stomach. And the doctors at first didn't realize that there was some kind of, of this, some kind of infection. And the doctors thought there was something wrong that had to be removed. And they kept on peeling, so to speak, away at that area, more and more operations unsuccessfully because that wasn't the issue. It was some kind of bacteria there that they couldn't, they didn't realize what it was, and they kept on trying all the, until they realized what it was. And there's only one kind of antibiotic that could be used for this unique bacteria. And the child had developed some kind of immunity to the bacteria. So the doctors were pretty much at a loss because there's nothing else they could do. And the child, unfortunately, he was really withering away. And came to a point, she said, I didn't leave the hospital. From my, the moment my child went to the hospital, I didn't leave him. I stayed in the hospital. I know every doctor and every nurse in Schneider Hospital. She said, I, I, never, I was there for a whole year. And finally, the doctor, the head of the uh, ICU, comes over to me one day and he says, that your child's kidneys have stopped working. It's a matter of hours. But... He said, we love your child. We don't want to let go of him. So it's possible, he said, that if we do some kind of a um, surgery, we could may, maybe slow the, slow the process and maybe your son could live a little bit longer. If we amputate both of your child's legs, it's possible that your son will live longer. That's what the doctor um, told her. And she was thinking... Do we really, really want to do this? I mean, the doctor can't live anyway. The, doc, the child can't live anyway. Do so you want to put him through this kind of pain and operation? And she knew what to do. And she called her husband. And she asked her husband to go to speak to some very prominent rabbi in northern Israel to ask him whether or not they should go through this operation. Her husband calls her a few hours later and he says to her, Hodaya, 
I'm sorry, we can't, we, we can't just ask Rabbi about this. This is about me, this is about you, and we have to do something. This is what I'm gonna do, he, he tells her. Now, Ms. Tongue, the story as it is, I'm not uh, suggesting that everyone has to follow what happened in the story, and this is a message for each person. This is the story. He tells his wife, I am going to remove internet service from my house. It's not something that, that's beneficial for me spiritually, and I don't want this to have, have this in the house. And she turns to God, and she says to God, in the production of a child, there are three partners. There's a father, and there's a mother, and there is you, there's God. We didn't let go of our child. We want our child to continue to live on and on. We haven't given up. And my husband made his decision, and, and she told God, I have been just told by the doctors that my child has to have his legs amputated. I vow to you, God, Nether, that I am going to conduct myself with modesty in my legs, and I want to ask you to give my child legs, legs for legs. And, and she asked God to heal her child. She went back to the hospital. And night goes, through the, the child lived through the night, and the child lived in the morning. In the morning, she says an angel of God appeared. She calls him an angel of God because she knew everybody. And this guy, she never met. Dr. Michael Gorevich, who was in charge of the um, organ, um, uh, he was in charge of, of various kinds of operations that were done in, 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 uh, on children. Hashtalot, uh, and he tells her that there is a new uh, kind of um, treatment that's done for this condition. And it hasn't not yet FDA approved, and it, it what it involves is putting some kind of cream in the affected area, and I'm willing to do this. Do you want to try this? And she agrees. She refused to do the amputation, but she agrees to this. And he himself worked on the child every single day for four hours. First, putting on the cream, operating, putting it in, and removing it, and putting the different. Um, Every day he was there for four hours working on her child. After three weeks, well, thank you. After three weeks of this treatment, her son started. The doctor told her that your your son's kidneys are working, and and he was able to. Get come back to himself. She said to my friend Rabbi Ashkenazi, she said, Today is the first time that my son has been able to walk on his own two feet in so long. And, and today is the first time that I've come back to work after two years. My friend said that he couldn't go to the next class. After hearing the story, I mean, here he, he speaks a lot in places all over the world, but after hearing this, he was overwhelmed. He just, pulled over inside the road and he just couldn't stop crying. He, the, the neshama of a Jew, as Baal Shem says, is able to cross an ocean just with faith. And the Rizal says that whenever you say Shema Yisrael, 
you have to have in mind that you're ready to give your life to God. So you're sort of, when you say Shema Yisrael, you're giving yourself as a sacrifice to God. And that's something within you. Every Jew has within themselves this ability of devotion to God. But when you're giving yourself as a sacrifice, there's a law about sacrifices. As we we're learning this morning, a sacrifice in order to be kosher has to be whole. So a, just like the body has 248 limbs and 365 sinews, the soul also has the different parts. And in order for a soul to be whole, it has to be connected to all other souls. If there's a soul that's detached from my soul, that causes a, a blemish on my soul. I lose something. Something's cut off from me because I, I don't embrace another person. I'm missing something. So Arizal said that in order for a person to be able to give himself and say Shema Yisrael and give himself over to God and, and offer himself to God as a sacrifice, he has to make sure that he is connected to all the Jewish people. And that's why before we pray for anything, before we ask for any of our needs, the very, the very first step we make towards God, and Arizal says is to accept upon yourself the mitzvah of love your fellow like yourself. To think about how we don't really know the power of any nisham, of any soul, and although someone may look to you like they have no virtue, no redeeming value whatsoever, but really we have no understanding of the preciousness and the majesty of neshama. And ordinary people, simple people, have incredible connection to God. And uh, the Rizal um, tonight is, his, as I mentioned, it, it's his yard site tonight. Tonight when we're able to imbue in ourselves these three teachings that Rizal to work hard in serving Hashem, to work with joy, and to be generous and to give and to go beyond ourselves. And that on the day of the passing of the tzaddik, the Torah says that the nisham of the tzaddik ascends to a new place. And from this new place, the tzaddik sends salvation on the earth. So may Hashem help that today, the day of the Arizal's yard site, is neshama should bring down salvation to each of us and all of us and all the Jewish people, wherever we are. And we should come together as one. Hashem should bless us all as one. And we should see the truth because of Mashiach Zakeno. A good Tavach. Any uh, questions, comments, tomatoes, cucumbers? Benchayel, happy birthday. Good Tavach, Ruvain. Good Tavach, Rabbara. Good Tavach, Shalom. 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 Good Tavach, Shalom.